0: Go with me to Isaiah, a man that was sawed in half for his testimony, lost his life as a martyr, but gave us so many incredible words in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 41 and 10. And today we're going to negotiate moving out of 2018 into 2019. A lot of amens, a little all rights, a lot of sighs. I don't know that God honors the Gregorian calendar. Uh, I don't know that God, New Year's Day, has any more of a special anointing than he already has or special favor that he already has. I believe that January 1st is selected to set goals because we did two things in December. Ate too much and spent too much. Ate too much and spent too much. Uh, I, I know some of you are looking and say, yeah, I can... I can relate, I definitely ate too much and I definitely spent too much. So as we roll out of December, we hop into January. And uh, many people, uh, I've stopped a long time ago setting any kind of um, reprimands or mandates or I'll, I'll have goals. Uh, they're not necessarily deemed in January, but I have goals throughout the year of things that I'm wanting to accomplish things I'm wanting to do. And I live by aim small, miss small. I live by, I, if, if you know me or you know my family, they will tell you that's the way that I operate. I try not to uh, jump off and, and take the whole cake, but a piece at a time. Speaking of cake, last Monday, Skyler turned four. Christine turned 18. And Courtney turned 32. And if I see another piece of birthday cake before February, I'm going to have a major attitude. I'm telling you right now, I am birthday cake out. But we celebrate that. We celebrate what God has given us. So I pondered this morning and offer you a question that you may or may not be able to answer. But what are you going to drag into 2019 that was a part of some of your failures and mistakes In 2018. As you ponder that. I will attempt. To move. My illustrated sermon. To the platform. If I fall over in pain. Please just take the suitcase. And go with it. Now that. Is a battered, ugly, out of date, doesn't have wheels on it. Oh, yeah, it does. Hey, if I'd have known that, I'd have wheeled it up here. (laughs) Something I didn't do in 2018, but I'll try to do in 2019. And uh, I just, I had some fun this week. I am accused of preaching better in December than any other month of the year, and that's probably because I spend hours in a tree stand defending this congregation from the killer deer that are in the woods that can hurt you and wound you, and sometimes the deer just don't cooperate. I prayed yesterday. I said, God, don't let me down like you did last year. Let a deer walk through here. So while I'm waiting for the deer to arrive I certainly have a lot of time to sit and think and reminisce and just, just, just enjoy that quality time in the evening. So this past week, I have been just focusing and thinking on some of the things in 2018 that has disqualified us from having and being what God wants us to have and be. We look at the promises Someone said there are 6,000 promises in the Word of God concerning you, pertinent and relevant concerning you, that God has for you. Uh, Something changed about three months ago uh, in my personal life, in my personal devotion. I just started, and I've shared this with a couple, I just started taking the time at the moment of occurrence to thank God for what He has done. A illustration would be, a perfect illustration would be my wallet. I lose my wallet daily. I lose my car keys hourly. But the wallet thing is a big deal because you obviously need your wallet to comply to state of Tennessee driving regulations, and you need your wallet for the money in there, and so the debit cards, whatever you've got in there. So I lost my wallet. And uh, I looked everywhere for it, and it was right where I left it, uh, but I didn't remember where I left it. And so I'm looking for my wallet. Well, I find it. Okay, so when I found my wallet, mentally, I saw myself. David said, give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my meditation. I saw myself walking into the throne of God and standing before the throne and holding the wallet up and thanking God helping me find my wallet and so now daily there's always someone almost hits you or you almost hit someone or something takes place or I was uh, so I walked into Exxon one day this week and I had my hunting boots on and they just mopped the floor and I didn't know it and then I did one of those you know aerobic those aerobic and it was like it was like I was going down and I was going down hard And I didn't go down. I saved myself. I I rescued myself. I didn't crash and burn. And right there, I just saw myself going into the throne of God and looking at the throne and thanking him that I didn't fall and get hurt. Well, I know that may sound silly. That may sound um, unimportant. But I found it in the Word of God. So, you know, when you find something you're doing in the Word of God and you're doing what the Word of God says, it's a good feeling. And uh, it brings promotion. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 24, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of the Father concerning you. And I know that Proverbs talks about seasons. There are 28 seasons that fall into four categories of seven. And we know there's a season to cry, a season to laugh, a season to sow. And there are seasons in our life when bad things happen, to good people, no matter how healthy or how righteous or how holy you try to live, bad things happen, and that's that's not because of, of, your, of your family, that's not because of your upbringing, it's because of your DNA. Every one of us have the same DNA of Adam and Eve, they've actually traced it back and confirmed what we already knew that every person. In, on the planet that's ever born, that will ever be born or die, will ever die, has the DNA of Adam and Eve. And we know that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. We know the penalties for that disobedience. I'm not sure that Adam and Eve had children before the fall, but Eve's punishment was in sorrow would she bring forth children. I don't think God intended for a woman to go through what she goes through giving birth, but that is a part of the curse. Also part of the curse is that this earth is going to fight you every turn, every jot, every tittle. The weeds grow, the sun par- parches the land. It seemed like there's a constant attack of us trying to do the right thing and so many obstacles. And those judgments all came from the disobedience and failure of Adam and Eve. And I heard someone yesterday mention, well, if God is so good and God is so holy, why does God allow bad things to happen to Good people and there will come a day when you'll be able to stand face to face before God and ask him that question But I have the feeling at that time in your life. It won't be a question It will be a thank you because every hard time you overcome and everything you overcome there is a reward in heaven Waiting for you and so when we get to heaven and realize all the bad stuff We survived and went through that God watched over us and then God rewards us how we respond and how we act, I think that we will thank God for some of the tribulation and trials we went through because it's so much pr- promoted, as so much more when we get to heaven. And so we, we ponder that, and we think about that, and we think about bad things, and we think about things that happen. I have learned in the uh, 49 years that I've been upon the planet, plus 15, 16, the 64 years, I'll tell you what, my brain says I'm 40, but my body at 6 o'clock in the morning says I'm 64. I looked at Pastor Ron and I said, will you still meet me? Will you still greet me when I'm 64? And she said, well, if you're not seen now, yeah, probably. <laughs> no, she didn't. she didn't say that. Um, she said, I heard you had Alzheimer's. I told her, I said, I'm going to forget you said that. And that's the, the thing that I worry about is not just forgetting stuff but for getting important stuff. And so we, we ask God, we try to eat brain food. I understand now there's a, gel, a jellyfish they've dissected and they've packed it all up into a pill and you can eat the jellyfish and it will help your memory. And I, I choose not to eat jellyfish. That's just not something that sounds appetizing. And I think they're like $12 a pill anyway. So, so you, want, you want your mind to be renewed. You stay focused on the things of God and the word of God. And God told Joshua at a very... Uh, trying time in his life, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thy way shall be prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. There's a difference between good success and bad success. I have many people that I have met in the years that I have been alive that are uh, not just wealthy, they are mega wealthy and almost Almost to, the, to every, every acquaintance I have that does not know the Lord that, ha, that is super wealthy, they're very unhappy. It seems like the Beatles said it so well, I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me love. And, and so we, we, we reflect on some of the decisions that we've made, some of the things that we go through. And I am learning on my part that things that I'm struggling with are things that I have refused to let go or turn loose. Things that I've refused. I remember Lamar Lamar Boschman, who has been here, Pastor Ron has ministered at one of his seminars, uh, shared that he had a dream, and he dreamed he went to heaven. And when he got to heaven, the gate there, he had his guitar with him. And uh, he uh, could not get through the gate with his guitar. And uh, God told him, said, you're going to have to leave your guitar outside if you want to make heaven your home. And he got, he laid the guitar down And he went inside the gate, and there was a better guitar waiting for him. Sometimes we got to be willing to lay down things that are comfortable and familiar and understand that God has something better. He's a good God all the time. God is good. God is good all the time. Sometimes it seems, though, when we go through stuff, it doesn't seem like God is anywhere around. He's a million miles away. Can anybody relate? That's usually when he is the closest. So, there are things in 2018 that I don't, I don't want a part of 2019. There's stuff that I've drugged and I've carried and I've labored and I've babied. I've fed my own monsters. Can anybody relate? I've fed my own monsters. And I just, there, I would like to see some things happen in 2019 that did not happen in 2018. But in order for me to have something I've never had, in order for me to be something I've never been, I've got to do something I've never done. I've got to make some decisions, healthy decisions. And Joshua said it so well, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I'm trying to focus more on the antidote and the, and the serum and the, and the restoration healing in this book and not to compare it with other things in my life that seem to bring pleasure and pain. So I just wonder, what am I going to be dragging into 2019 that I had in 2018. And I had a tough time opening this suitcase. Oh, here it is. So I put some stuff in here that kind of represents maybe some of the things that we've been dragging around in 2018. And if I'd have known this was going to fight me, I'd have had somebody else open it. My Lord. Oh. Now, there's a bunch of stuff in here. And I'm just going to randomly, there's no certain list or order that this is in. I'm just going to sort of randomly go through it. Before I do, I want to read Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear thou not. Over 200 times in the Bible, God encouraged us not to fear. I am with thee. Be not dismayed or don't worry. Last Sunday, we hit the worry issue pretty well. 33 times in the Word of God, it tells us not to worry. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea. I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Those are five promises of God that he gives us that if we make a decision not to worry and not to be afraid. There was a a program out several years ago called The Fear Factor. I don't know how many remember it, but they did some weird, crazy, funky, scary, gross things. But I have learned in life that as you watch a child, and especially a child, Pastor Rhonda mentioned at a pool, a child has a fear of water, has a fear of jumping in the water. And I don't know how you you, uh, uh, acclimated yourself to swimming and jumping off the diving board. But I've watched a lot of kids that are afraid to get in the water. They're afraid to jump off the diving board because of that fear. And it seems like that even at birth, there are some things that in our heart that we are afraid of. Fear is a disqualifier. People will not do something because of the fear of failure. Yet Thomas Edison failed 999 times inventing the light bulb. And aren't you glad he didn't give up? Aren't you, glad, aren't you glad he tried it that thousandth time? I don't know how they kept record of all that, but that's what history says. That thousandth time he plugged that hot and that cold, those, those poles together, the reverse and the positive, and he created a light bulb. But look how far we've gone now in the area of electricity and technology because one guy refused to quit. He refused to give up. He refused to let fear or worry stop him. He had a goal, he had an agenda, and he pursued it. And so some of the things in 1918 that may have bothered us or hindered us, I'm just going to reach for the first thing simply because I'm hungry. And this is a honey bun. Actually, it's a glazed donut stick. I had my glasses on. I thought I was buying a honey bun. And instead I bought it. doesn't matter. I like them both. But I have learned that I am a certain height and I've learned that my bone structure is, is, is created, invented, designed to carry a certain amount of weight. And if I carry more weight than I'm supposed to, I put pressure on my ankles, my knees, my elbows, my wrists, my shoulders. I put pressure on certain parts of my, certain parts of my body, say that quickly, certain parts of my body that later, if I'm not careful, are going to need repair. And I know Rhonda's dad, I think, has had both his knees. Re- and he's not, he's, I'm not saying he's overweight, but I'm just saying our body wears out. And if we put more pressure on our body than was attended, then we paid the price. I asked the question, and I probably ask this question every single year. Are you eating to live? Or are you living to eat? And I'm embarrassed to tell you the eight years I traveled as an evangelist, there were a lot of churches... I preached that it seemed like the only thing the pastor was concerned about was food. And, and in staying in their house that week or staying in a motel and them having them coming and coming to get me, it was like it seemed like everything was focused around food. But well, we'll pick you up at 9, we'll go to Cracker Barrel, we'll get some breakfast, and then we'll go to the golf course, and then we'll pick you up, and we'll go to Taco Bell at 1, and then in the evening you want to eat after church, we'll go to Outback, and it was like if I, if, if I had eaten everything that was offered me, you would have had to wheel me down here in a cart and stand me up because I wouldn't be able to eat everything that people suggested that I eat. So the question is, are you living to eat or are you eating to live? I will say this. Had I known, and I had some friends in my life growing up that felt like they would never live to be 30, one of them did not. But had I known, I was going to live as long as I have, and in the Davis family, it seemed like longevity is, I think, 87 to 89 years of age, that's the average. Had I known that I was going to live this long, I probably would have taken better care of myself. I probably would have. I probably would have done more vitamins and and more protein and backed off some of the fats and carbs. And uh, and so even in our house, we eat healthy. Pastor Ron is a very healthy cook. What uh, kills me is two Zaxby's a week, two Taco Bell's a week, and one Wendy's a week. And if a Fazoli a week, that's what that's what puts on the carbs and that what puts on the pound. And so my goal in our challenge, I'm not going to try to bite off more than I can chew. But my goal is to lose 10 pounds. You say, well, that's not up that much. Well, then why don't you try and lose 10 pounds see? Tell me how you tell me how you did. So are you eating to live? Are you living to eat? Another thing here I found in my in my that thank God I got rid of 38 years ago. but I it's like if anything can go wrong it will I don't want to set it on this podium I don't think I don't, I don't we're good it's not, we're, fine. we're good Pastor Todd will solve that uh, I don't know that I don't know that drinking beer will send you to hell but I know spilling it on the podium probably will <laughs> <laughs> pastor Todd's gonna pastor Todd's gonna I have never really met a social drinker I really don't know any social drinkers like me they drink for the buzz and uh and and you know i gonna tell you in my life there was a there was a lot of alcohol there were a lot of things going on but here's what Paul said don't be drunk with wine or alcohol but be filled with the spirit So everything you're looking for, there's a song that says, Ain't no high like the Holy Ghost high. When you know you're where you're supposed to be and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and God is impacting and imparting your life, it's a good day. It's a good season to know I don't need this to get me to the place that God wants me to be. I don't need this to create the buzz, enjoying life as God has blessed us. And so whether you're a social drinker or whether you're a -a six-pack-a-night guy, uh, my, my uncle could actually drink 22 beers a night, and I never saw him stutter. I, I, you build up a tolerance for it. But uh, instead of this, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and see if it's not, not just a lot better, but a lot cheaper. When I think about going into uh, 2019, a lot of people are focused on their marriage, this was taken when I preached April's wedding. I think April and uh, jo- jo- was it Josh. Him too. Who was it? Josh and April. Yes. This was this 1990. Now, our marriage was great in 1990. It's better in 2018, and so I'm gladly carrying this over into 2019. But maybe you're struggling with your spouse. Maybe you're struggling with a husband or a boyfriend. Maybe you're going through a divorce. There's no disqualifier like the spirit of divorce. I'm telling you, I've been there. It creates depression and confusion and frustration and anger. All those emotions go with it. And if you're beating yourself up over divorce that you've walked through, it's time for you to let it go, turn it loose, and start pursuing the things that God has for you. He wants you healthy. He wants you whole. He said, I'm the one that saw it was not good for man to be alone. So I made a woman so that God has... God has, that's his idea, that's his plan, it's a good plan. If you've, if you've chosen, uh, like uh, Mike Murdoch, to be celibate and not get married, that's between you and God. As for me, that sounds like a real stupid idea, and you really need to make sure it's God. The next thing I think about when I reach into here, I reach into here and I find, Pastor Ron and I were not going to touch on this. We know there are several that made a commitment um, This insinuates you're cool if you smoke cool. And you're not just cool, you're different because it's not spelled C-O-O-L. It's spelled K-O-O-L, which makes you cool. I did some math. If you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, at the end of the year, you will spend $2,200. At the end of two years, you have spent $22,000, which would make a nice down payment on a car. There you have it. There you have it. And so if you, uh, cigarettes will not take you to hell, but they'll make you smell like you've been there. I had a girlfriend, I had a girl from the 70s that said, said, have you ever kissed an ashtray? I said, no. She said, well, that's what, I, what it's like when I kiss you. is like kissing an ashtray. And my feelings got hurt, so I got me some Wrigley's Spearmint gum and solved that problem. Won't send you to hell, but it will seriously affect your lungs and your body and could take your life. The next thing I see, stuff that I don't want to drag uh, into 2019. This is a a photograph that represents family. And this is a very good picture. We're all in pink, Courtney and Christine. Christine When Christine would actually do what I told her to do, she was only like six months there. I had full control. I lost it uh, gradually and i have absolutely no control over but a lot of people struggle with their family a lot of people your greatest critics are your family a lot of people your greatest discouragers are your family they'll say you're just like your father you're just like this you'll never amount to anything you'll never and you know there's something inside of us that we really want to please our parents we want our parents to be proud of us we want our parents to to think that we have done well Unfortunately, some of us didn't have that kind. Of, I had to leave it to Beaver, as did Pastor Rhonda. My mom was uh, was a, a stay-at-home mom. We had a hot meal every single night. She packed a lunch every morning, and I remember this as so funny. Uh, every day at 3:30, when I would come home, they'd be in the basement watching Dark Shadows. <laughs> Is that not something that you remember as a child? And uh, but it it never demonically controlled them, or their head never spun around. They seemed to survive it. Okay, but it wasn't a cultic it wasn't a cultic program concerning vampires but I grew up in a leave it to beaver home and established a pattern that I try to pattern myself as a dad the way my dad fathered me and I try to pattern myself as a husband the way my my father loved my mom the day after christmas 2 years ago mom died had they remained married in new year's eve they would have celebrated 67 years of marriage. Sixty seven years of marriage. Never saw my dad strike my mom. I saw my mom strike my dad. I never saw my mom strike my mom. I never heard a cuss word ever not one time ever come from my dad's mouth. My dad taught me integrity. I remember we went to a place called Hammond Lumber. We were always building something the church and I remember on one certain occasion the clerk gave him back too much money and I watched Dad look at it, sort it out, count it. And I watched dad make it right. I learned that from my dad. I learned integrity from my dad. But maybe you didn't have that kind of dad. Maybe you didn't have that kind of mom. Maybe your parents died early. Maybe they separated and divorced, and you blamed yourself from that divorce because 90% of divorced children do. They blame themselves. It was my fault. It was not your fault. And you need to let it go. You need to turn it loose. And you need to let God raise up spiritual fathers in your life that will mentor you spiritually and help you walk the place that God has called you to walk and be a blessing to you. As I look in here, I see another, and I tried to call to get permission to use this. But this is a picture of Courtney, and this picture represents grief. Maybe you've lost somebody special. Maybe you've lost somebody dear to you. Maybe you've lost somebody precious. I didn't realize that grief was such a disqualifier until I experienced grief, the grief of losing my mom, losing my cousin, and losing my son. And, and grief, it, it's, it, it takes you unawares. It doesn't creep up on you. It just body slams you. And all of a sudden, one, one moment you're feeling good, and the next mo- mo- moment you're feeling grief, let God walk you through that grief. You will never forget the love. You'll never forget that person, but you'll look at that person's picture or memory and think positive and not negative with grief. And then I looked in here and I found This is what. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) This is what you use a tile, guy. laying tile uses this right here. This represents your job. The only difference between an alcoholic and a workaholic, Nicole, is the spelling. There's no, there's no, the same thing. Are you addicted to your job? Is your job wearing you out? Is your job wearing you down? Are you happy with your job? Are you pleased? Do you want to stay there the next 20 years of your life? We had a a part of this church, and uh, he had a very good job, and the owner wanted his nephew to have his job, so he fired him, and he lost his job. And in in all that process, thank you, Pastor Todd. I probably won't drink it, but thank you for opening it for me. Uh, In the process, he lost that job, and we talked. And Tanner, I said, you know what? You're a good employee. It's not because of your work. It's because of politics. I said, I just believe God's going to give you the desire of your heart. A week later, brand-new job, brand-new perspective, brand-new payroll, making almost twice as much as he was making. But here's the here's the thing. He would have never quit that job. He would have never walked away from that low-paying job. But God allows circumstances to happen that, that – that, Not manipulated him, forced him, coerced him, just gently pushed him to look for a job, and he found a better job. Don't let your job wear you out. Don't let your job frustrate you. Don't let your job burn the candle at both ends. I've shared this with Jerry and Linda today. When you're good at what you do, if you're not careful, your boss will take advantage of you. So stand your ground, state your claim, honor that job, be faithful in that job, but don't let that job be your god i look in here and i found a uh credit card some people this this credit card is like a rattlesnake it will devour you it will eat you it will wear you out i just did some counseling concerning bankruptcy and the the only debt was several credit cards out of order uh, I don't blame the young married couple for getting head over their heels in debt. I blame the credit card. When the credit card allows you to have 5, dollars $15,000, and they introduce a low interest for three months, hello, and then you realize all of a sudden four months you're paying 17%, 18%, that's out of order. And if you cannot handle your credit card, then you need to do what I did several years ago. I don't have a credit card. I have a debit card. But if you can't handle your credit card, do what I did. I took a pair of scissors, and I made seven or eight guitar picks out of my credit card. And that was the best guitar pick I ever had. So don't let, your, don't let your credit card overwhelm you. Don't let your credit card bind you. Don't let your credit card steal your joy. If you're getting more bills in the mail than you're getting letters from friends and family, you need to do something about those bills and let God help you work it out, which is my next Area of 2018 is my wallet the Bible says that money answereth all things but be careful you don't let money become your God and a lot of people struggle in sowing into the kingdom into the things of God Uh, we've we've been here several times before Uh, I learned very at a very young age the power of Tithing the power of sowing and we were talking this week that in order for God to bless you in order for God to to turn your finances around he has to have something to work with and when you yield yourself as clay in the hands of the potter he can help you emotionally he can help you physically he can help you spiritually but one area He cannot help you and is an area of finance because nothing grows if it isn't planted. Nothing grows if it isn't planted. And I've encouraged this house, do not ever feel like that your gift is insignificant because God does not look at the gift. He looks at the attitude of the gift. And there was a day when Jesus went to the temple and he sat down and he watched the container, the offering container, and he saw a man bring mega money, a wealthy man bring mega money and put in the offering. Never said a word. He watched a widow walk up to that same container, that same moment, and put in two mites, two pence in the offering. And Jesus stopped everybody and said, I want you to notice what she's done. What she's done is more powerful than what he has done. Obviously, he's got streets of gold. He's not strung out on money. But he knows that money answers all things. Money is a blessing. Money is a part. There's power in tithing. I have probably, and I wish I had a journal some of these, but I I probably have over a 1,000 reports of things that were turned around when someone started to tithe, just just that that level of obedience. And I remember uh, last Sunday, uh, Gene and Lila, uh, I have a Catahoula. If you don't know what that is, look it up. I have a Catahoula. His name is Kata, and he is a stud muffin. He has two wives, and either one's pregnant or the other one's pregnant. They're, like, pregnant all the time. And uh, when, when Steve and when, uh, when Jean and them came to church Sunday, they had four pups. And usually they, they sell pretty good, but they had four pups that weren't nursing, so little older pups. And uh, uh, they had sold a pup for $50. And so Jean told Leela, and she agreed, let's tithe on this pup. And, you know, to a lot of people, $5 might be insignificant. That might be unimportant. That won't pay the electric bill. That won't put gas in a car. But it all adds up. And when they got home and went to their voicemail, the other four pups were sold. Tell me God does not honor. I remember, I mean, he is, he is faithful. Uh, several years ago, when I, met, when I met Gene, he was on the street, and uh, he got plugged into the church. And I remember uh, one Sunday, he, he'd made $50, so he tithed $5 on that $50. Uh, Gene, God, restored their marriage, restored their family. And when Gene was working last year, he was tithing $80 to $85 a week. I asked him if I could share this, and he said that I could. So God took a $5 tithe and made it an $80 tithe. A lot of people, they don't have a problem giving the 5 or $10, but then when they see all these finances coming in, their attitude is, well, I can't give that much. I can't pay that much. Listen, that's all that God asks for. We say, well, tithing is Old Testament. Well, Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, render unto God the things that are God's and he was referenced to the tithe. Paul said on the first day of the week, don't 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 mail, don't, don't, don't Facebook, but bring your first fruit into the storehouse, the first day of the week, and that reestablished the principle of tithing. And listen, you don't want to be New Testament when it comes to money. When you read Acts four, the Bible says everyone sold everything they had and took care of the widows and the orphans. So aren't you glad that you're not operating under that guideline? Come on, help me now. Aren't you glad that God wants you to keep the 90, and he wants to bless the 90? He wants you to enjoy the 90, but he wants you to be faithful over the 10. If that's an area that you struggled in 2018, then step into 2019 by tithing. I remember it was years and years and years ago. I had this conversation with my brother. And uh, my brother was, uh, we're both hard workers, we we're both in construction, and my br- brother was attending here. And, uh, and so one, one day I just asked him, I said, hey, I said, are you tithing? I'm not seeing thing in the offering from you. He goes, no. He goes, I never know what I'm, I'm going to make, so I, I, don't, I, I might make this this week and this next week. And I said, well, you need to do something. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm your brother, but let me be your pastor for a minute, and I want you to start tithing $25 a week, just, just. Flat flat rate. Just obey the Lord in that. Honor God with that. And let's see what God does. Before my brother left this house, there were Sundays when he was putting $1,000 in the offering. Because God God had so blessed him. My brother has built 28 churches in Florida. 28. He's working on a multi million dollar house today. He's got a crew, a beautiful home, a beautiful family, beautiful vehicles. God blessed him because he did the minimum. God gave him the maximum. If you do the minimum, God will give you the maximum. And so I won't have to talk about this, which represents your your field, represents Church of the Harvest. That's your tithe envelope. Now, I don't believe tithe should go to a televangelist. I don't think a tithe should go to social media. I don't think tithe should go to a missionary. I think your offerings can support those ministries, and you're able to do that. But I believe tithe is is brought into the storehouse, and it's a major trust issue. Are you to tithe? as a major trust? You trust this house? You trust the leadership of this house? Well, let me tell you one thing: I'm not doing. I'm not spending your tithe. I'm living in the same house I've lived in for 33 years. I'm driving the same car since 1999. All three of my vehicles have over 250,000 miles on them. So if I'm spending your tithe, I'm not doing a very good job. <laughs> Hello, it's a trust issue. It's a. It's a. It's a. It, Sometimes money is the hardest thing to release because we've been taught that way. We've been, we've been taught that way. And by the way, I still pick up pennies. This generation does not. Christine wouldn't pick. I don't think she'd pick up a nickel. Would you pick up a nickel? Probably not. So this, this generation doesn't see the value. But I remember when 100 pennies made a dollar, And I remember $100, $100 made $100. So, so God has put that. It's not a stinginess. It's just a survival mode that we live in, and uh, when you share you become a part of the kingdom of God, like Gene, I don't believe you'll be able to journal all the miracles that God provides for you. That's just the kind of God that he is. Let's see, we're almost out of Oh, Can't forget my golf club. You drive for show, you putt for dough, I do neither. I am the worst golfer that uh, you will ever see in your life. I can whack it, I'm telling you, I can whack it, but it never goes straight. It always deviates over here on a hook or it's a slice. And I may as well shut my eyes when I swing because I never know where the ball is going to wind up. And I'm even worse at putting. But don't let your recreation be your God. Don't let your recreation overwhelm your finances. Make, make sure there, there's room for both. I have someone very dear to me. I invited them to church. They said they were going deer hunting today or tomorrow's the last day of season. I didn't say a word, but obviously deer hunting is more important than the things of God. That's a a blunt statement. I realize that. So is God said, if you're not tithing, you're robbing me. I know those are blunt statements, but they're made by God, not by us. And that's the standard that God wants us to live. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. The lily, the bird we talked about last Sunday. All these things will be added unto you. I'm almost, I believe I'm done. Oh, no. Don't let this take your life. Don't let this take your joy. Don't let this take your finances. And I'm hearing, as I share what we do, I'm hearing people say, I have a prescription for them. That doesn't matter. Just because you have a prescription doesn't mean that God wants you to eat four Xanaxes. Just because you have a prescription, God doesn't want you snorting, how do you say it? Yeah, you guys know it more than I do. Kalanigan? Klon- yeah, there you have it. What, what, God didn't want you snorting it, And God didn't want you abusing. And maybe God wants to heal you so you don't even need a medication. What I, what I have learned when I look at all the stuff, and I'm going to ask Michael to come, and, and all this stuff obviously adds up, the weight adds up. But I want Michael to show you what's, what's, really, what's really burdening us, if you'll just hold it up, Michael, now that's a rock. Have you ever heard you're dumber than rocks? Have you ever, dumber about, have you ever heard of that? You're dumber than a box of rocks? This is dumber than a box of rocks. This is dumber than a box of rocks. This can be dumber than a box of rocks. Don't let all your dumb things weigh up to equal that. Thank you, Michael. Now, if you'll pinch press it three times. <laughs> when I look, Michael, when I look at all when I look at all the all the, the the divorce, the grief, the worry, the stress, the alcohol, the tobacco, all of that. I look at all of that and I realize, you know what God wants us to have? A personal. Intimate. Relationship with Him—that's what God wants you to have. Has ever hit His bow? as ever eyes closed just for a moment? We thank you for this day. We thank you that we're here. We thank you that we're healthy. We thank you. You're touching our body. You're strengthening us. You're touching our marriage, our family, our finances. You're showing us a path to walk. You're giving us direction, and you promise that we don't need to be afraid. And we don't need to worry. 33 times your Bible says not to worry. So let us learn to cast all our care upon you. Let us learn to seek you first in everything that we do. Let us realize there's 128 hours in the week that belong to us. One third of that is used for sleeping. But, Lord, don't let our, don't let our job overwhelm our ministry. Don't let our, don't let our habits overwhelm our relationship with you. Bring, bring clarity, bring direction, bring wisdom. Speak to us this week and let us learn. Let us stop asking our money where it went, but let's start telling it where to go. Let's learn to budget. Let's learn to be wise. Let's learn to be healthy. And let us enjoy 2019 as you have promised us that you've planned for us to have provision and your hands upon us, your favors upon us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen.